Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, we're going to be in 1 Kings 19, 14 to 21, but the title for today is that God is not finished with you yet. I want you all say that. God is not finished with me yet. All right, hang on to that thought. We're going to come back to that, okay? Not finished yet. So, you know, uh, speaking of being finished, finished up our reunion. Kim and I had a week of reunion, all the college friends coming. Some were at the shore, some were at our house. We had a great, great, great time. Uh, you met Bill, remember Bill? And then you met Tom was here last week. There was a Todd, but he skipped church, so you didn't get to meet him. But anyway, uh, we told lots of stories at our reunion, hanging out, telling lots of stories. They had some of the details mixed up. They actually blamed me for some of the stuff, but I straightened them all out. Uh, that's why I like to be able to be up here. I get to tell my version, right? So anyway, uh, one of our favorite movies was Spring Break and going on this trip to Florida, which you know I talked about the last time a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was my junior year, and I was having really bad headaches. Didn't know why. It was, it was Who knows why? I was getting really bad headaches. And I finally went to the doctor. And I went to the doctor, and he gave me five minutes, and he gave me an, an endless supply of codeine. Now, I don't know anything. I grew up on a farm. Ooh, I don't know anything about this stuff. But, you know, it was way before the whole opioid thing. He gave me an endless supply of codeine. He said, here, here just take this. He didn't ask me why I had that accident. Check me. To, you know, who knows, you know, what was going on. Stress, who, know, who knows? A lot going on. But he just handed me the pills, endless supply. And which you know, if you know anything about this, uh, I don't know what he was thinking because I had no idea what it was. To me, it was like aspirin, you know, as far well I knew. But it, it, it was addictive had side effects, uh, and my friends thought it was really funny that I, whenever I got a headache, I would take the codeine. But then they also thought it was funny whenever I took it, I acted a little differently. And so whenever there was a basketball game, they'd say, Chuck, have you taken your codeine before we go play these guys? You guys are big, you know? Because I, I apparently I would just ram into these big guys and knock them down and would play all crazy. They all thought it was hilarious. They would come back, remember the codeine game? You know, they, they, they all thought it was funny. But really, it wasn't funny. And I remember my friend Bill... And I didn't know, I just took what the doctor told me to, right? And the, my friend Bill, I remember him saying right around spring break, he goes, why don't you go to Florida? We're, gonna, we're planning a Florida trip. Why don't you go to Florida and stop taking those pills? Because it had been a little while now, right? A couple months, whatever it was. And uh, I said, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. So we all pile into these. Uh, we, we, we went to Florida. We had the time of our life, had a great, great time, came back, and I never took them again. This Florida trip was my rehab. I never took the pills again. Thank God, I, you, know, you know what this stuff does. And we piled, we piled into the car. Uh, I can't remember which car it was. It was minor bills. And we head down to Florida. We had very little money. We, we didn't know where we were going to go. We had no plans. We just took some money. We didn't have a lot of money. We piled in the car. We stopped. He says, let's stop and see my old roommate. One of my old roommates is down here in Florida. We'll stop and say hi, and then we'll go from there. So we get to his house, met his family, parents. They were the nicest people, the Broussais. The Broussais was their name. Just the nicest people. They said they had us for dinner, fed us like kings. said, so where, what are you guys doing while you're down here? We, go, we don't know. We just drove down. They're like, you don't know what you're doing? No, we just drove down. Go, well, you're staying here? Then I'll never forget. You're staying here. And they had us stay there. They fed us unbelievably. They had a swimming pool. They, we had a great, great time. They were just the most wonderful hosts you can ever imagine. 
But during the day, they would head to work, so we needed something to do because they weren't around. They were all working. And so we would look for things to do. And I remember right away, we, we were trying to figure out what we are going to do. And we went out in the, we saw in the garage some old tennis rackets, really old tennis rackets. Uh, and, and we said, well, let's take up tennis. None of us said, we're tennis players. Let's take it up together. We'll play tennis. And we went out. And we all each, there was enough for each of us, four rackets. But there were no tennis balls. Like, how are we going to play about tennis balls? Never occurred to us to buy tennis balls. No, no, no. We, we don't spend money on anything, right? And so, so we saw the dog was carrying one around in the garage. He had a toy. You know, he had a, one he used as a toy chewed on. It was all chewed on and slobbered on. We're like, there's a tennis ball. Okay, let's get it. We're chasing this dog. You're chasing this dog around. Trying to, we finally catch the dog. <laughs> It was a little poofy thing, you know, and well, it wasn't a German Shepherd. And we're like, we, I remember we were prying the, do- the ball out of its mouth, and it was growling and growling. We finally got it. We, we have a tennis ball. It was all beat up and slobbered on. And so we, we go over to the tennis courts, and we go walking up, and we got these old rackets. We, I don't even know. We, we had flip-flops on out. We were not looking like tennis players. They are all these professional-looking guys out there, you know, a lot of retired people all dressed to the hilt for tennis. And, uh, and they were hitting, and... And we saw a tennis ball laying outside the fence. You know how they go over the fence and they lay there and sometimes they get them, sometimes out. Who knows? It was laying there. And the one guy in our group, Mark, who you never met, he's in jail or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Mark, uh, I'm kidding. He, Mark, uh, he, I'll never forget, he picks up the tennis ball, turns around and says, look guys, another tennis ball. And this one's new. There's no teeth marks. This is a great one. We're like, oh wow, a tennis ball. We all crowded around him looking at this, what a real tennis ball is supposed to look like. We're all excited. And these guys in there that were playing, I'll never forget, they're, they're retired guys, you know, real tennis guys. And they looked at us like, like, oh, these underprivileged boys out here, you know. And I'll never forget, one of them picked up one of his tennis ball, you know, containers and he said here boys I have an extra one we don't need all these balls and he threw it over the fence to us like thanks thanks that's okay boys you can keep them you know they were felt sorry for us you know you you can imagine what we were looked like when we got down there and so then we ended up out in the boat which you already knew about we ended up on the boat um we went, they had a, there was an island, Florida Gulf, there was a lot of islands, but there, on the one island, the Broussais were building a, like a beach house, and it was just getting started, it had a roof, that's about it. They said, you can go stay out there, go out and spend the day out there. But, so we go out on our, our boat, we overloaded, we go out on our boat, and we had the time of life. We ended up staying overnight, we were getting, we were catching all these fish, there was an old net, big, big net out on the island, and we would loop around and catch all these mullets and we were picking up oyster big chunks a bunch of oysters off the bottom and putting them on the fire and they opened up and they were all we ate like kings out there we had the best time of our life didn't cost us anything and then we uh then we are headed back and you know the story the coast guard we were overload overloaded and uh the water's leaking over the sides the coast guard you know, gross negligence, gross negligence. If you didn't hear that story, you have to listen to that one. Coast Guard guys are so uptight, right, Bob? But anyway, <laughs> he kept yelling, gross negligence. You would have had fun with us. And I, and I remember thinking, I just say it, I was a little being careful, but I remember thinking, we hear you, we're, we may be dumb, but we're not stupid, you know? And so, uh, so we, 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 we finally get off the island, and then we were ready to go home. And this whole trip went like this. We had the best time, but we wanted to get a present for the Broussais because they were so nice, and we knew they wouldn't take money, so we wanted to get them something that would really be special, so we asked the son, and he said, they really want a cat. 
I said, oh. And uh, they, they really want a kit. They want a, a kitten, a gray kitten. That's their favorite color, and they've been wanting to get a gray kitten. And all my buddies are like, oh, this is great. We can do this. This will be easy for us to get, you know, a, a, a gray kitten. How hard can it be to find a gray kitten? Uh, I warned them. I said, well, if you had farmers around here, which we didn't, it'd be easy. They'll be throwing cats at you if you drive by. You know, they're trying to get rid of the cats. Yeah, farms. Right. But we're not on a farm. We're out where there's like shelters and rescue places. And, and I just said, I'm going to warn you, it's not easy to get these pets from these kind of shelters, especially cats, because at these places, there's cat ladies. There's cat ladies, you know, and, uh, and you know, and cat ladies can get kind of strange. Anytime some a lady has more than, you know, more than a couple of cats, it can get pretty bizarre. They didn't believe me, they didn't believe me, but it, there's even here, I'll show you a couple of pictures to, to prove what I was trying to say. Uh, the, the cat lady starter kit has arrived. <laughs> here, do the next one, the next one's really funny. Just add catnip. <laughs> I love that. But hey, there's an excuse. How, look at that one. How it's hard to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, resist, right? It's hard to resist them. I now have four cats. I'm a crazy cat guy, you know? You know, rescuing them, rescuing them, yes, rescuing them. But I did warn them. It's not always easy to get these cats. They didn't believe me. We go to this one, uh, this one, one shelter, first of all, and we get there, and we, there was a couple ladies sitting there with all these cats everywhere and, and you know, all over. And, and we came in and we said, we're looking for a, a great kitten. We need it for a present. And they said, oh, we'd like to help you. But we, the, the two ladies are sitting there, you know, stand there. We'd like to help you, but the, none are ready yet. Oh, no, not, they're not all ready yet. And I, they say, what do you mean? Oh, they're still all kittens. Yes, too, too young, too young. You know, they keep doing this echo thing, right? You know, and, they're, and they're doing this whole thing. And I'm like, but there's... We're like, there's kittens, cats everywhere. Oh, but they're too, they're not ready yet. They're too young. They're just kittens. And some of these were like long in the tooth, you know. These are, these are old cats. I didn't see any kittens. They were old cats. No, they're not ready. We're not ready to release any of them yet. They're just not ready. And there was like a lot of cats, you know. And so we walk, they said, go to the SPCA. It's just down the road. So, okay. So we go down looking uh, for, you know, the, some, some more, some more cats. We go to the SPCA. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm telling you, if there's cat ladies, we're not going to get them. You know? And Diana and I are always kidding about that, right? Diana and I are always kidding about the cat ladies because we love cats. All right, anyway, we won't get 25 cats on the farm all the time. Anyway, the, uh, but we get to the SBCA, and there's another lady sitting at the desk. And there's cages of cats everywhere. I mean, we hit the bonanza, right? They're everywhere. We go in, and she wouldn't look up. The four of us are standing there, and she's just, like, doing something and wouldn't look up. So my friend Mark who you haven't met, uh, he rings the bell. There's a bell sitting there. Ding. She, goes, she looks up. Don't ring that bell. I don't like that. She looks, she looks down again. She's, she's down again. So what does he do? Ding. <laughs> she goes, she grabs the bell. Don't ring the bell. She looks around. Oh, ringing the bell makes me crazy. And I'm thinking, That's, you were crazy long before that bell got here. You know? And, and uh, so we're like, okay, we're, what, what do you want, boys? What do you want? We're like, well, we're here for a kitten. We would like a kitten. We like a gray kitten. And uh, we were look, looking, thinking we could get it at the SBCA. And she said, why do you want it? Well, we're staying with a family here in Florida. We went through the whole story, and they want a gray kitten. We want to give it to them as a present. Sorry, we don't have any kittens. And I'm like, they're everywhere, you know, we're in a cat heaven, you know, right? And I'm like, we're like, there's cats everywhere. No, no, you, there's no cat, you can't, there's none like that you want, and you can't have any. And we're like, 
And she went back to writing with her bell, you know? And we're like, why not? We want a kitten. You know, give us, give us one. You got cats all over the place. Give us one. She goes, finally, she blew up at us. She looked up, she blew up and said, I know why you want them. You're Satan worshipers. And you're going to burn them in a fire and the louder they scream, the more you like it. We're like, no, we go to a Christian college. We don't, you know, we were trying to, no, we were like, what is she talking about? Yeah. Then we're like, we go to a Christian college. It's for a present. She goes, leave now or I'll call the police. We had to leave. We didn't ever got the cat. We never got a cat, you know, for these people. And, but we did, we never got a cat, but we did come back refreshed. I mean, is that crazy, right? We come back refreshed, uh, and I never took codeine again. I never had headaches anymore after that. I mean, I've had little ones here and there, but never had those headaches again. Florida was my rehab. That was a rehab for me. Not realizing it, but that was a rehab. Today, we're going to see that God sends Elijah on a rehab trip. He sends Elijah on a rehab trip. Now, remember, he was depressed, right? He was discouraged. He felt like a failure. Remember that? So God, last time we saw that God shows him his power and he also speaks to Elijah. Remember the still, that quiet voice, the whisper? And now we're going to see how God finishes Elijah's rehab today. And I think we're all going to see something that God could, is doing in our life the same way to move us forward spiritually. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the word now. We pray that you would take your word and whatever we're going through, Whatever you're trying to do in our life, Father, we pray that we could hear it. I pray that we would realize what you're trying to do. What, you're try- what you want to do in and through us. And if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ, I pray your Holy Spirit would touch their heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before I read this, we're obviously having communion today. And this is preparing us for the communion. And we landed on a really good verse good group of verses here. First Kings 19, starting with verse 19, 14. Starting with verse 14. Elijah says, He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now the Lord, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back to the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? You don't want to go into ministry. So anyway, that's what he's really saying to him. All right, we'll get to that later. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So this is Elijah's 
Rehab. Now we're going to really focus on Elisha and the call of Elisha when we get to the life of Elijah. After we finish Elijah, we're going to go to Elisha. We're going to do his life next. So I'm going to hang on to his whole response and that call and, and that whole thing. But we're not going to delve into that so much either. Also, the meaning of the two anointings of Hazael and also of Jehu. We're going to look at the real meaning behind that, the divine meaning behind it. And we're going to connect some dots to the USA today. Uh, this is all about judgment. And we are seeing judgment. Don't miss it next week. Don't miss it. Uh, but we're going to see that next week. But today, I really want to focus on God's instruction. Next time we're going to do about the anointings, the meanings of all these things. But I really want to, and, and Elisha are going to do probably in a couple months. But today I want to focus on what God's instructions meant for Elijah personally. What they meant for him. What, why this was part of his rehab. And let's read, I'm just going to read, these, these are the verses we're going to focus on, 15 through 18. I'm going to read that again. Verse 15 the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the Abel, Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So that's what we're going to focus on. Now that Elijah has been, as we've been seeing, refined, he's been refreshed, he's been reassured, now God gives him a job to do. He gives him three important tasks. And these tasks are really meant to give him a renewed purpose a renewed purpose we all need a purpose i'm telling you why so many people use drugs today why the whole generation feels so lost today the, the the generation now has no purpose because they've lost touch with god for the most part they've lost touch with god and if we're not connected with god that we were created by god to be in a relationship with him and we have a purpose and if we lose that connection we are rudderless we are empty we are life makes no sense what's the point of being here that's what take whatever can dull that pain do whatever can dull that pain that's where the world is that's where the, the new generation is that's we all need a purpose Remember the Michael W. Smith song years ago? It was a big, big hit, My Place in This World. We, we all need to know what our place in this world is. We all need the assurance that we're in the right place, that we're where God wants us to be. We can put up with just about anything if we know we're where God wants us to be, right? If we know that we're fulfilling his purpose. And God gives Elijah purpose. And in the process, he gives him hope. He says, I'm still in control. I'm still in control of the nation of Israel. You're going to anoint the next king. Don't, don't miss next week. I'm going to be talking about God anointing kings and presidents. Oh, boy, you're not going to miss this one. Uh, Jehu is not... Well, anyway, don't, don't miss it. I'm not going to give it away. Also, he's in charge not of the nation, but world events. World events. He's a anointing kings of other countries. God is in charge of the world events. God is not dead. He's saying, Elijah, God's not dead. You all know the song, right? The worship of the one true God, Jehovah, that's his only name, Jehovah will never die out. 
He says, in proof, there's still 7,000. I still have a remnant of 7,000. Your life's ministry, he's trying to tell them something. Your life's ministry has not been meaningless. What you've been given your whole life for has not been meaningless. All those prophets who gave their life, remember they killed all the prophets of Jehovah? Their lives were not meaningless. And here's the proof. You're going to anoint your successor. And Elisha will complete what you started. He's going to complete your job. Elisha's going to do that. It reminds me of a track, and I don't think uh, Cameron's here. Is Cameron here? Runner? Track runner? No, he's not here. But he, he runs the relay. I used to run track, and I remember the relay. We used to run the two-mile relay. Four guys, we ran a half a mile. And I'll never forget, you get the baton, and you'd be running, and, you're, and by the, toward the end of the race, it was brutal. It was just brutal. You, you're, you're, you're running your guts out. Uh, your, legs, your lungs are burning. Your legs are like lead. You get to that finish line. You, any, anybody run in the relays? You know what I'm talking about? You get to that finish line. Yeah, there you go. You remember, you just can't wait to hand that baton off, right? And, and you're just ready to fall, and you try to get it into the next guy's hand, and he takes it, and boom, he's off like a gun. And what do you do? You go over to the infield, grass fall down, you're gasping forever. That's what Elijah feels like. He is ready, he's ready to quit. He's exhausted, he's wiped out. But he, God gives him the hope. Just get to the line and hand off the baton. That's what he's telling him. He, he, look, he encourages a spiritually exhausted Elijah. Because there's a couple, this is what, this, that's what he's doing. He's passing the baton. Elijah was spiritually exhausted. He felt like the bad guys had won, remember? He felt like the bad guys had won. And God says, it ain't over till it's over. He's telling him that. God promises him that the evil forces of Baal worship are going to be completely destroyed, going to be wiped out. And he gives them three judges that are going to finish them off, three swords that are going to finish them off. He, he lets them know they're going to be destroyed. And God promises us the same thing. We are promised the same thing. We're dealing with a lot of evil forces, aren't we? And we're seeing it increase worldwide. We're seeing it increase in our country. Look what happened yesterday with the two shootings. That is demonic. Demonic. I'm going to connect some dots next week. Don't miss it. Demonic. Horrible. Horrible. It's getting worse. It's going to get a lot worse. Read the book of Revelation. It's going to get a lot worse. Everywhere. But read the last chapter of the book of Revelation. We win. God wins. We're on his side. If you're on his side, we win too. God's going to win. It, it, he's, he promises us the same thing. He gives us the same hope. No matter how bad it is, we have that same hope. The bad guys are not going to win. They're going to have their day, but they're not going to win. The good guys win. God wins. And if we're on his side, we win too. So he felt like the bad guys had won. God said, uh-uh, you're going to win. I'm gonna, no, God says, I'm going to win. Then Elijah also felt like he was the all alone. He felt like he was the only one. And God says, uh-uh, there's still seven thousand that have listened to your ministry seven thousand that have listened to your preaching that haven't followed Baal that haven't been pulled in by the world that didn't go on tv on some reality shows saying they're a christian next thing you know they're living like a non-christian connect dots connect dots it's on all the time right uh he 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 felt like he was all alone and god is reassuring him that that there's still a remnant Sometimes I get down. 
I can relate to Elijah. Sometimes I really get down. After 20 years in this Baal-worshipping town, and it is a Baal-worshipping town, after 20 years, what do we have to show for it? Got this little church. We love each other. It's awesome, but it's a little church. I've had youth groups a lot bigger than this, I've got to tell you. I've been in other places and had youth groups much bigger than this church. <laughs> and I'll be like, God, what are we doing in this bell-worshipping town? I didn't even want to come here, right, Paul? <laughs> you didn't want to come. I didn't want to come. You know the story. And then God calls someone to be saved. Someone will come and they'll get saved. And I'll be like, ah, oh, thank you. Or, or someone, I'll run into somebody in town who I didn't even know, and they'll say, I've been listening to the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's all I needed. And see, God, I just need a little bit of encouragement. Just a little bit of encouragement. Not much, just something. I don't need much to encourage me. I know that in New Hope, odds are we will never have, a, well, I don't want to limit God, but unless there's a spiritual awakening, we're not going to fill the auditorium in New Hope, Right? Unless there's a spiritual awakening. That's the only way it's going to happen. It has to be a revival in the church and then it goes to a spiritual awakening in the community. We know where we live. All right? Uh, it, most likely, all we're going to see is a remnant revival like Elijah saw. But that's enough to encourage me. Uh, I, 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 you know what encourages me? I'm just encouraged when most people, it doesn't matter how big our church is, I'm just encouraged when most of you show up at the same time. That is all it takes to encourage me or discourage me. Todd and I talk about it, you know. Todd and I talk about it. You know, put, I study the word and get it all ready. You put the worship together. We talk about this sometimes. The worship, you, got, you get it all ready to go. And then maybe half the church shows up. It's discouraging. And it would discourage you too. What if you prepared, ladies, you prepare a big meal for your family? Big meal, and only about half of them bother to show up. They get distracted. They just don't show up. They're playing video games, whatever they're doing. They just don't show up. What if you, dads, you plan a, a big family vacation, and you say, all the kids are scattered. We're going to have this big vacation. Everybody come, and only about half of them show up. You'd be discouraged, right? We get discouraged. And, and that's, that's how Todd and I, we talk about this sometimes, how we feel. It's great that you listen at home. We got the podcast and the YouTube. It's great that you listen when you definitely can't make it. But if you, but if you can make it, we need you here. We need you here. Because we are, now we're in a culture and it's happening everywhere, even here. It's happening. Anything and everything keeps people out of church. Anything and everything keeps people from worshiping. And, and, I, and I know people, some of you vacation, all that stuff. Some stuff is unavoidable, but most things are avoidable. Games on a Sunday morning. I tell my coach, we're not, we're not, we're not going to play on Sunday morning. You want the kids to play? You want a Wilson? Then you better, uh, you better schedule the game in the afternoon. Because they have church and youth group. You better put it between, you know, one and five. And they listen. Coaches are like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. It's good for everybody to be at church, I guess, huh? And have a morning off and relax. Yeah, it's called the Sabbath, you know? But, but anything and everything keeps people from church or home fellowship. And, and Hebrews 10.25 says this. It says, 
Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together. This is a problem in the New Testament time. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us encourage. We, you need to be here because you're encouraged. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here today. But podcasters, listen to me. Uh, uh, YouTubers, get out here. All right, all right. Uh, but also... You encourage someone else. It's not just what you get out of it. You don't know how important you being here because there's someone that needs your encouragement. There's someone that is waiting to be encouraged. Someone needs a hug. Someone needs a prayer. Someone needs a, you know, oh, you look down. Are you okay? What are you going through? And, and just something to talk to. Someone needs to say, come out to lunch with me. We'll go to the diner or just that. Come out with me. You know, we, they, you don't know when uh, we're, we're all, like, Christmas Eve, we're all here, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's, like, energetic. Why? Because everybody's here together. And, and everybody's encouraging each other. And, and that's why it's, it's vital. You have no idea how important each one of you, how much you need this, but how important you are to other people. And come looking for that. Come looking for it. Who can I encourage today? Who, because you're needed. Elijah felt like he was all alone. Elijah also felt like his lifelong work for God. He felt like the bad guys had won. He felt like he was all alone. And then he felt like his lifelong work for God would die with him. Would die with him. And what does God do? He promises that Elisha will complete the mission. Elisha would complete the mission that Elijah had started. That he had given his whole life to given his whole life to he is he promised he would complete that new hope community church i'm getting a little older i know i look young but i'm i'm getting older i know i look i'm i'm actually getting older and i i'm watching all the time god who who am i going to pass the baton to who am i going to pass it to who who are you calling me to pass it to who's going to complete this we're the last gospel preaching bible believing church here. Otherwise, I probably would have quit a long time ago. <laughs> but we're the, last, we're the only ones here. And, and I, we had to pass the baton. And not just me, but who are you inviting? Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring? Who are you going to disciple? Who are you going to mentor? Because we have to leave a healthy body of Christ here in, in New Hope. We have to leave it here. Now, let's connect some dots here. Here we go. Going to have fun with us. Elijah thought that his life and his purpose were over. But God wasn't finished with him yet. God wasn't finished with him yet. Elijah had crashed. Anybody here crashed lately? He had traumatic life events, just like many of us have had traumatic life events, right? I think just about everybody here has had these traumatic life events, right? Uh, but God still had a purpose for his life and his legacy, just like each one of us. God was still in control. He was still in control of, and, and he was work, at work to bring positives out of very negative situation. His crash, all the horrible things going on in the country, God was still at work to bring positives, posit, positives out of a very negative situation. And the same is true of our life. You may have gone through some very traumatic life events recently. You may have crashed 
You may be here today disappointed and depressed and feel like a total failure. You know, we've been talking about this. You might be asking God this morning what God had asked Elijah. Remember what he asked Elijah? What are you doing here? But you're asking it differently. You're saying, God, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? We might think that we're alone, that our lives are finished, but God isn't finished with us yet. God is not finished. Say it with me. God is not finished with me yet. You got to say it. If you're wondering today, what is my purpose? Why, I am still, why am I still here? Where is God in all of this that's going on in my life? Then start praying. Start asking God. God, show me. Sh- show me. And start looking for what God is trying to do. There's always something God can do in Every person in every situation, no matter what we're going through, God, what are you trying to do? Start looking for that. No matter how old you are, Moses was 80 when he started his ministry. Started. 80. No matter how old you are, no matter how bad you have crashed, like Elijah, two great examples, if you are breathing, if you are here and you are breathing then God still has a purpose for you today. Everybody here breathing? Okay. God has a purpose. I'm, I'm here again. God is not finished with me yet. All right. Psalm 138.8 is a great verse. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Memorize this verse. It's not long. Write it somewhere. Kids made writing on shells, clamshells at the beach. All these writing. I'm like, get a clamshell. Write it down. The Lord, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Claim that promise. Claim that clam. You know, fine. Put it somewhere. Claim it. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, for my life. That's a promise that we can claim. If we keep that focus, it changes everything. No matter what we're going through, we can see God's purpose for our life. Some of you might remember Doug. Remember Doug who uh, passed away not too long ago? And he, you would see him walking around out there with a walker and sitting out in the lobby. That was Doug. All right, passed away not too long ago. And I'll never forget when he was getting toward the end of his life, wasn't like last year, I remember he was faced with, Joe, remember he was faced with a a challenge, the doctors, he had so many things wrong with him, I don't know how he made it as long as he did, it was a miracle, he he became saved later in life, and the doctor said, Doug, you're going to have to either cut this leg off, or you'll die, and they had to, they were saying, just just above the knee, is that right, just above the knee, going to cut it off, and he, his health was so bad, and, but, but they said, even if you do take the leg off. You're only going to live a short time. You're not going to buy yourself much time. And I remember when I heard that, and I went, went to go see him, and I was praying about it. I'm like, God, I'm just going to encourage him. Like, it's only going to buy him a short time. I'm just going to say, Doug, why don't you just go home to be with Jesus? He had so many things, and I just was just wrestling with that. And so I get there, and I go in, and I went in to see Doug, and, and, he, and I, he's like, yeah, i got to either take the leg off or I'm going to be home, going to die. And I, and I was just getting ready to say it, and he said, you know what Joe told me? Because <laughs> Joe disciple, Joe's great. Joe, Joe disciple, he goes, you know what Joe told me? He said, just die, just die, you know? And, and I was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> I told Joe Cubb, you got to hear this story. And he goes, can you believe he said that to me? And I'm like, wow, that Joe is really something. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell him I was going to say the same thing. And I go, well, I think what he's trying to say, Doug, is it's going to be great in heaven. I was trying to, you know, cover for you, Joe. And I so, <laughs> Because, you know, what, what's the point? You're just buying yourself a little bit. But he's like, I'm not ready. There's still stuff. I just really believe there's things God still wants me to do. He goes through the surgery. He just finishes that surgery. And, and Joe, meanwhile, is doing Bible studies with him the whole time, doing Bible studies. He just finishes that, Bible, that one. And Joe starts a, a Bible study. And there's a couple guys, a couple of you, three guys right there together. And right, what's that? They're here, several of the guys. Well, I'm going to come to that part. Then, then... Right after that, they tell me he has to have the other leg taken off. And I'm like, now I'm going to really say it, you know. And uh, I got there, and I didn't have the heart to say it. But he he was just buying himself a really short time. He didn't know how much, but it was really a short time. So much pain to go through, so much. He's like, no, no, we're starting this Bible study. I'm going to get this done because we have this Bible study going. And uh, so I've got a job to do. We have this Bible study. And they took the other leg off. And I remember going to see him not too long after that. And I walked into the room. It was nighttime. It was only 8 o'clock, but he was already asleep. And I walk in, and I thought he was dead. He looked so bad. Remember how bad he was looking at the end there? He looked terrible. And I'm like, oh, poor dog. I'm like all ready for him to start, you know, tell me how bad his life is and how I'm going to pray with him and sympathize with him and the whole thing. And, and I'll never forget. He's, oh, Chuck, you're here. And he turned turn on his light, and he... And he had a bar above him, and he pulled him. Self up. Those of you who visited know what I'm talking about. He pulls himself up, and he was smiling. He just had his legs taken off, and he's smiling. And I'm like, how's it going? He goes, it's going great. My Bible study is taking off. Joe, Joe helps me lead it, but it's my Bible study. You know, he was a character, right? It wasn't Joe's. It was, it was my Bible study. You know, Joe just helps me. It's my Bible study. I'm inviting everybody. It's my study. You know, <laughs> that Doug was something. And so he, uh, so, but he was so excited. And, and he had all these people. How many came from here? Came to his Bible study at one time or another. A lot of people here came, right? And who could say no? Yeah? Doug invites you to a Bible study. Who could say no to the guy after all you've been through? He had this big Bible study, and it was going great. And he was talking to residents there, and it was going great. He, he, was, so, he was so excited. Uh, the, the thing with Doug, his focus wasn't on his pain. His focus wasn't on what he lost. What do we focus on? What we lost. He wasn't focused on what he lost. He wasn't focused on what could have been. Would have been, should have been. He was focused on his purpose, that God had him here to, to get people coming to this Bible study and, and, and do the Bible study. That he still had, he knew what God's purpose was. He wasn't focused on his problem. That's a secret. I'm like, this guy's got the secret to life. He's not focused on his problems. He's not focused on his pain. He's not focused on the next pill he can take. He's focused on the prom, his purpose. The purpose that God has for him. If he's still breathing, God's got a purpose. He was focused on that purpose. And he, and he loved that Bible study. Joe did it with him, helped him with it, did it with him. And uh, he, he loved that Bible study. He had so much purpose until the day he died, which wasn't long after that. 
But he had a purpose. And that was like a, such a lesson about God's purpose. And the key was he had a purpose. And the key for us is we stay close to God. We're looking for what he's doing. No matter what we're going through. Looking for what he's doing. Stay close to him. Stay connected to God. That's what communion is all about. It's a reminder to stay connected to God. It's the only way that we will see and understand what God's purpose is. What he's doing in and through us no matter what we're going through. You know, my family, we've been through a lot. Right? Even with 13 kids, it's still a lot what we've been going through, right? But every but people say, oh, you're going through so much. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Everyone's growing spiritually, so it's all worth it. I've really got that perspective now. If everybody's going, growing spiritually, so it's worth it. Because isn't that the whole point? Isn't it the whole point? What's really important, the only thing that lasts, the only thing that really matters, is that we're growing spiritually, not what's going on great in our life, but are we growing spiritually? And if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you don't have a purpose. But you can have one right now. You can have one right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and giving your life to Jesus Christ. You can have a purpose. John 3.16 says what God did for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God wanted a relate. We broke our relationship with him through sin, through all the garbage. The shame is coming between us. The sin is coming between us. But, but God has made a way to, to have a relationship to come back again, to be at one with God, atonement with God. Through his son Jesus who died on the cross in our place. We deserve to die on that cross. We deserve eternity in hell. But Jesus took it. He didn't deserve it, but he voluntarily took it. He was our substitute in our place. And he rose from the dead to prove he was the son of God. That whoever believes in him. The word doesn't mean intellectually. It means to put your heart... Heart and head, it means completely trust in. The word believe in the, in the Greek means to completely trust and to cling to. And that's what it means. If we will put our faith in Jesus, his death on the cross in our place, it, giving our life to him. The moment we do that, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we get a brand new purpose. Nothing can happen in our life that God can't weave together for our good. That he can't turn into something good. That he can't accomplish his purpose. The Lord will accomplish his purpose for me. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? And that's what communion is all about. When we take communion in just a few moments, the bread is the, represents the body of Christ. It's a reminder that he gave his body. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. It's a reminder that he shed his blood, gave his blood in our place. That's what it's a reminder of. And it's, it's re, and remembering this. There's only two reasons why you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. The first one is that if you're not ready to put your faith in Jesus, just wait. Just let it, just keep sitting in your seat and pray. It's okay. There's no pressure. The second reason is if there's something in our life that God is convicting us of and we're not ready to give it up, we're not ready to repent of it, wait. Don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But I hope that every one of us does Put our faith in Jesus if we haven't. I hope, I pray that everyone here does surrender whatever God is asking us to surrender. Whatever it is that's killing us anyway. 
surrender that because everyone can commune, not just here, but every day we can commune by putting our faith in Jesus and cleaning house, making sure our relationship is clean. So we'll just open it up in a, in a few moments. What's going to happen is I'm going to pray. Then Todd's going to lead in a, a special song. And after that, he's going to start us off with the communion. Okay? Uh, and I hope everyone takes that step of faith. But wait till you're ready. It's between you and God. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for what Jesus did for us on that cross. What he did for us by rising from the dead giving us a brand new life. Lord, I pray that every person here would put their faith in Jesus. Let me just pause in this prayer and say, if you, have, if you are here today and you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. There's no religious ritual or rite you don't need a special religious person to help you do it. It's between you and God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can do it right now. It's a simple prayer of faith. God, I put my faith in your son Jesus. I believe he died on that cross for me, for my sin, so I could be close to you again, Father. I put my faith in him. I turn away from my old life, the sin, the garbage. I turn away from it. I walk away from it. I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. I'm giving my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you can now commune with God anytime, anywhere about anything. Not just taking communion today, but communing, connecting with him anytime. And you are going to find that you find that God has given you an amazing purpose in life. No matter how old, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done. That God has washed it away and he will give you a brand new purpose. Whether you have one minute or, one, or decades to live, he will help you live out your purpose. If you have put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here or tell me on the way out or fill out the card or text me, call me, email me. Let, me, let somebody know so we can encourage you and be excited for you. But God already knows. The angels are already celebrating in heaven, the Bible says. There's already a party in heaven for you, for your spiritual birthday. 
for the rest of us as we take this communion, how is God speaking to us, changing our focus to God's purpose, getting close to God so that we can see what he wants to do in and through us. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do this in Jesus' name.